0: Hello there, and welcome to episode 8 of this series of What You May Have Mythed, and this week marks a return of old favourites. This series, I have tried to tell you tales from countries that otherwise don't even get a look in when reading myths and legends, and I think we've done quite well, with stories from Africa, Sweden, Japan, the Middle East, Brazil, Spain and Scotland. But this week, we are returning to a land so steeped in mythology, it would be rude not to include it. Greece returning to Greece, a place we have visited several times before for the stories of Perseus, the Trojan War, and Odysseus' journey home from Troy. For the most parts, those stories have concerned the lives of mortals, people whose story takes place during the lives of men and women, but this week's story takes place a lot earlier in time, when humans were still very young in the world and did not have the knowledge and skills that they do during the aforementioned tales. But before we become engrossed in our story, let me remind you that if you have any questions, then you can email me at themythspodcast at gmail.com, or you can fire them in a comment on TikTok or Instagram. And next week is the week that my Patreon is being launched, where you will be able to have access to an assortment of what you may have mythed content, so get ready to check that out too. Right, today's episode. Although humans play a role in this story, they are, for once, not the legend's main protagonist. That goes to a very large chap, a titan, in fact, and his role in the creation of mankind. The Story of Prometheus At the summit of Mount Olympus, after millennia of drinking, flirting, partying, fornicating, boasting, wooing, sleeping, and any other number of ing activities, The gods were starting to get bored. Not bored in the sense that they were unimaginative, like a child who complains they are bored in an attempt to get their parents to take them to a theme park or such like. They were bored in the sense that they had been doing the same thing day in and day out for as far back as time goes. Long, long before, the Titans had been beaten during the Titanomachy, and now many of them were chained up in Tartarus. Some had been sentenced to tasks such as Atlas, whose job it was to hold up the sky for all eternity. Yet some had found themselves on the winning side of the conflict. The brothers Prometheus and Epimetheus had convinced their goddess mother, Themis, the goddess of right and order, to side with Zeus and the gods, and so after the conflict they had been saved from the punishment of other titans, and were even allowed to live high on Olympus. But that had been thousands of years ago, and now all the gods were bored out of their wits. They needed something to spice up their lives, something to challenge them and give them some entertainment, other than that which they had indulged in so far. And Zeus called upon his heavenly family to get work with the clay, and before long they had shaped out all the creatures that populate the world. But they needed a finishing touch, and who better to complete them than Prometheus?' Prometheus, whose name means forethought as he was always focused on what would come next, whether it be tomorrow, next week, or a hundred years hence, was clever, wily, and highly intelligent. His mind always fit to bursting with grand and exciting ideas. His brother, Epimetheus, whose name means afterthought, was... mm, let us be kind and say he didn't have the intellectual gifts of Prometheus... But when Zeus tasked Prometheus with perfecting the creatures of the world, Epimetheus had something to say about it. Oh, come on, you always get the cool jobs. Why can't I have a go? Please let me. I'll try my hardest. Prometheus was a little worried, but he loved his brother and so consented to let him have a crack at something of import for a change. And so Epimetheus set to work. He gave teeth to some creatures and beaks to others. He gave wings to some and forepaws to others. To some he gave venom, and to some he gave none. Some, such as the lions, bears, jaguars, and tigers, he gave killer instinct and great speed. To some, such as the deer, horse, and owls, he gave elegance and beauty. To some creatures he gave them the ability to live deep on the sea bed, whilst others would swim near the surface of the water. Some insects he gave the ability of camouflage, and to some he gave an irritating buzz. Some insects received a vast quantity of legs, which royally pissed off the snake as there were none left for him. To ants he gave the skill of industry and strength, but then, just for good measure, decided that the anteater should have a snout long enough to burrow into the homes of the ants specifically in order to eat them. You get the idea. When Prometheus returned, he was pleasantly surprised to find what his brother had achieved. I must say, I am impressed, brother. I won't lie to you, when you took up the challenge, both Zeus and I were sceptical of your ability, but you've proved us wrong. Well done. But it was at that point that Prometheus' eyes fell on a small bundle of clay in the corner. What's that over there? Well, you know that Zeus said he wanted these things called humans? Yeah. Well, I couldn't get them right. I made them kind of similar to us, but a lot smaller, and I made only men as requested... But all the qualities that I had, I gave to the animals. Speed, strength, flight, fur to stay warm, a fight-or-flight instinct, a keen sense of smell, ability to live under the water, all these things are with the animals. So… hang on. So you're telling me that the most important task that you were set to create man, you have failed in? Yes. You moron! These creatures are supposed to be going out into the world today. What's Zeus going to say when he finds out? Epimetheus bowed his head, and Prometheus felt bad. His brother had tried very hard, and he had created some wonderful animals. OK, he said, give me a moment. I'll put the humans together, and we'll just have to send them out into the world and hope for the best. And so that is what happened. Man entered the world, naked and afraid, without women to comfort him. Why no women, you ask? Well, Zeus had forbidden it, as he was terrified at the prospect of what Hera, his wife, would say if the world were suddenly inundated with more women that her husband could amuse himself with. When out in the world, man struggled. He was cold, hungry, and was just having a generally miserable time. Athena was an incredibly wise goddess, and she educated Prometheus in the ways of how to mill flour, farming, hunting, mathematics, weirdly, and many other arts. Prometheus, seeing how miserable man was down on earth, took it upon himself to go down to them and pass on his learning from Athena, and they grew happier and more confident. But there was still something wrong. Instilled inside them was the need and desire to worship the gods and goddesses on high, and to do this they would sacrifice animals, and herein lay the problem. They were offering up the choicest parts of meat to the gods which left nothing but bone and organs for man to eat, and even worse, there was no fire for them to cook it. Yes, they ate the worst parts of the animal completely stone-cold raw. I'm all for a rare steak, but that's a bit too far. Prometheus felt bad. He had a deep connection with these helpless little beings, and so he decided that he would help them. He went before Zeus, who was sat at his high table enjoying a roasted ox that had been sacrificed earlier that day, and said to him, "'Almighty Zeus, please let me help the humans down in the world.' "'How would you help them, my friend?' came the reply between mouthfuls. "'Allow me to teach them the way of cooking and metalwork, so that they might—' "'No, you shall do no such thing. They are not gods.' They are not us. They have no need of fire. If you were to give them the gift of the flame, then they will one day rise up against us. You, of all people, should know that, given the meaning of your name. They will not have, nor will ever receive, fire. Zeus had spoken, and Prometheus could not argue, so he left, leaving the king of the gods to his roast dinner. But, being cunning, He was already concocting a plan to give mankind that which Zeus had denied them. He collected the carcass of a cow that had been sacrificed, planning to show Zeus what it was like for the humans when they ate. He was going to trick Zeus. Prometheus divided the animal in two, and into the stomach he wrapped all the finest bits of meat. Despite containing the best parts of the animal, the stomach lining gave it the look of a haggis, which, as you may know, does not look very appealing, despite tasting rather good. The bones and fat of the cow he wrapped in the animal's hide so that it looked fat and enticing. Then he laid the two platters before Zeus, who, of course, chose the platter that looked to contain the tastiest meat. One taste of this disgusted Zeus. But Zeus, this is what you have decreed that mankind can eat. If they could only have fire, then they could cook their food and would not be subject to that which you have just eaten. No, roared Zeus. I have told you, you will not give them fire. You are my dear friend, yet I do not appreciate being pestered into giving those naked little things down. there something I don't want them to have. Do not ask again, or else. And so Prometheus once again left this time resolving that mankind would be given fire whether zeus liked it or not now if you remember from previous episodes that concern him you will know that zeus is not a man to be trifled with if he is slighted in any way then his wrath is terrible prometheus knew this and had never crossed his friend friendly japes and gambles on contests were perfectly fine and the two had engaged in these many a time teasing each other when they were beaten But to do the deceiving and beating oneself was not a good idea. And yet Prometheus couldn't just stand idly by as his humans were starving and freezing down below. And so this is what he did. One evening the gods and goddesses of Mount Olympus were partying hard. There was joy in their lives as they now had mankind to worship their glory and majesty. Whilst they were in their hall, dancing and drinking, Prometheus stole into the forge of Hephaestus. There was always fire to be found in the forge. Lying in front of the furnace was a basket of fennel branches, no, not the vegetable we use today, but a branch of a close relative, and it was one of these that Prometheus used. He set the end of the branch ablaze and quickly stole from the room and back down the side of the mountain. Now, before we continue, you may be thinking, why didn't Prometheus just show mankind that rubbing sticks together or bashing stones will create fire? What Prometheus stole was heavenly fire, a fire that burned eternally. A very precious flame, indeed. As he was descending, Prometheus was ever in fear that Zeus would see the flame of the branch and smite him down with a lightning bolt. Yet his long and sneaky journey was a success, and so he made his way to man. At first they were terrified by the flame that he brought, jumping back at its glare and heat. But Prometheus, having such a close affinity with them, coaxed them forward, and in their curiosity they came. Prometheus passed on to these men the knowledge of fire and how to use it. He then continued on, village to village he journeyed, teaching them all about the wonders of fire, He taught them to forge tools of metal, fire pots of clay, and, most importantly, how to cook meat and bake breads. Prometheus had given mankind the foundations for civilization. Yet it wasn't long before the sweet smell of cooking meat reached the nostrils of Zeus, and when the mightiest Olympian looked down from on high and saw flickering flames all over the land, he knew what must have come to pass, and his anger was terrible. Zeus wasn't going to hold back in his punishment. Prometheus had disobeyed a direct proclamation from Zeus, and that was beyond the pale, and so he devised a punishment that would be both humiliating and utter agony. Prometheus was seized and taken to the Caucasian mountains. Meanwhile, Hephaestus was ordered to construct chains of such strength that they could not be broken by the treacherous titan. Prometheus was stripped naked and bound by these chains, splayed out across a rock, exposed to the biting wind, icy snow and lashing rain. The chain was fastened so deeply to the mountain that its screws were driven into the very roots of it. Prometheus was going nowhere, but this was not the worst of it. Every morning an eagle would land on Prometheus's chest, peck through his skin with its great beak and eat his liver. It would then fly off, leaving the titan in sheer excruciation. Over the night, Prometheus's liver would grow back, and so the following morning the eagle would return, and the cycle would repeat again and again. For how long Prometheus remained lashed to the rock is uncertain. Thirty years, a thousand years, or thirty thousand years. But remain there he did. Until. A long time later... Zeus began to feel bad for putting Prometheus through so much pain and anguish. Zeus himself had actually prospered now that mankind had been given fire. Woman had entered the world not long after Prometheus's incarceration, so Zeus had been procreating left, right and centre, and not always in the most accepting or kindly way. Zeus went to his son and gave him permission to do something about it, and it is at this point in our story that a very famous hero appears. A young man who was of the line of Perseus, someone I am sure you remember from the beginning of the last series, and the son of Zeus, and at this point in time he was undertaking his famous twelve labours. He was crossing the Caucasian mountains when he came upon Prometheus chained to his rock, whilst a great eagle circled above. Hey oh, he cried. "'Ah, Heracles!' replied the Titan. i had been watching your escapades from up here. Good job with that hydra!' "'Shame about Curon.' "'Aye, that was a tough fight. "'And Curon was an accident, not my fault. "'Anyway, I'm off to the garden of the Hesperides. "'My task is to collect the golden apples that grow there. "'Well, get me down from here and I'll give you some advice "'that will make it a damn sight easier to get them.' "'Oh, really? "'Well, I can't deny it's been quite hard so far. "'All right, I'll get you down.' "'Drawing an arrow from his quiver, he knocked it onto the bow "'and with a single shot took down the great eagle.' Next he drew his sword and, being Heracles, broke through the chains tying Prometheus down with great ease. For the first time in potentially thousands of years, Prometheus stood and stretched himself. Ah, that's so much better. You have my thanks. And now the help I offered you. As punishment for his role during the Titan War, my brother Atlas was sentenced to hold up the sky for all eternity. Go to him and ask his help in retrieving the apples.' He can travel great distances in no time at all, and the garden of the Hesperides is a long way away. And so the two parted, Heracles off to complete his labours, and Prometheus back up to Mount Olympus. When he entered Zeus's hall, the great Olympian was waiting for him. Look, said Zeus, what you did hurt me deeply. You know how much I loved you. I was just so angry and, um, loved... Past tense? replied Prometheus. Well, oh, come here, you. And Zeus went towards Prometheus, and Prometheus went towards Zeus, and they embraced as if long-lost brothers. And there they lived, celebrating, drinking, and making merry forevermore. Well, until the giants came. And there we go, the story of humankind and its creator from Greek mythology what did you make of it? This may be a slightly different version to those that you may have heard in the past, and the reason for that is that, as far as I am aware, there is no conclusive and definitive story of Prometheus, and many of them seem to contradict one another. In One, for example, Prometheus is saved not only by Heracles shooting down the eagle and freeing him, but also because Chiron, the centaur, is wounded by one of Heracles' poisoned arrows, yet being immortal cannot die. So he agrees to give up his life for Prometheus, and Chiron is placed up in the stars as the constellation Centaurus. Yet this timeline would not work as Chiron was the teacher of Achilles and his story takes place after that of Heracles, so you see the problem that's to be had. Anyway, I do hope you enjoyed this particular telling of the story. If you have any questions, then you can ping them to me in an email at themythspodcast at gmail.com, or drop them in a comment on TikTok or Instagram. And if you're feeling particularly generous, then you can support the show at buymeacoffee.com forward slash podcast. And next week, I'm launching my Patreon, so if you want more what you may have missed material in your lives, then you can head over there to find it. And also next week, we begin our series finale, and keeping with tradition, it is a two-parter. Our last two bill tales have been from Greece, but this time we are headed... Well, I'm not going to tell you just yet... You'll just have to wait for the next episode of What You May Have Missed.